Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show that's done its best this week to improve the supposed attendance problem at the Etihad by creating another blue. You're welcome, Pep. On today's pod, we're looking ahead to what feels like a routine task against Southampton. And when it feels routine, that's when we get decidedly nervy. We'll also be discussing Guardiola's contentious comments post-game on Wednesday. Were they justified or unjust? To cover all this, I'm delighted to be joined today by two Friday favourites. It's Harry and Ali. Harry, you well, pal? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I think everyone just kind of wants to know how you are. You've just told me off air there was a, a big emotional speech on the, the, oh, the start man. of the last pod. So uh, are you somewhat in recovery is what I'm trying to say. I'm normal now. So what happened was I did a one-off podcast with uh, a couple of blues who have kind of kids and take them to the game. I thought it'd be a nice kind of... Oh. And I thought, pre-record it, it can go out because, you know, obviously I'll be busy when, when the baby's born. Um and then I thought, oh, I need to do an intro for this. You know, I can't just put it out there. So I did an intro on the day the Babs was born. And I, I, I remember crying during that intro and I can't remember what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> so it's out there now, everyone. <laughs> if you want to go, ch- I, I think I have a breakdown at some point. So, oh God. <laughs> um, Ali, are you well? Are you, are you, um, emotional today? <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm only uh, nearly twenty years on from where you are right now, with, uh, remembering the the uh, birth of my first, um, and I'm still catching up in my sleep. So I uh, <laughs> wish uh, you and Hannah and Baby Hattie the very best, and I'm delighted for all of you. And, and uh, you, welcome mate. to the family of of blues. Absolutely, welcome Hattie to the family of blues. Um, although it doesn't feel all kind of lovey dovey right now, there's a bit of kind of discontent in the ranks, and and maybe rightly so. Let's kind of discuss it. I'm going to be devil's advocate here. I don't have a strong opinion on this, um, so I'm the perfect guy to come to you both in in turn and say, Harry, when Pep kind of dug out the city support the other night, was it a rallying call? Or was it criticism unjust and maybe even giving you know, fuel to the to the haters? What's your yeah, take? Yeah, it's it's definitely definitely the latter in it. I think everyone's already pointed out that he's got previous for it. I think you mentioned in the in the mm. agenda that he did it after Fulham as as well. Yeah, but it just shows a complete disconnect from his own supporters. And what he needs to understand is these twenty five pound tickets. I say these in, in sort of inverted commas that I've seen bounded around social media, and not just that. Not everyone gets weighted hand on foot with food and a swanky coach to take them to games you know he's been in management and and in football when he was a player a long time so he's been used to these sort of weighted hand on foot services Mm. and we all know a match day is much more than just the price of a ticket it's the ticket plus petrol for travel in my case but if you need to take public transport we know how expensive public transport is in Manchester Um, it's having to buy City's horrible food uh, and watered down beer on the day um, it's paying for parking, uh, and it's unless you're, you know, luckily enough like me to live relatively close to the stadium, it's the cost of the hotel. So adding that up together, it's a pretty expensive day trip. And just putting all that to one side, he's allowed these media freaks, and I will say freaks, like <laughs> Simon Jordan and rival fans to take a swipe at the club and have fans online publicly defend something that they shouldn't have to defend. All because he's made one little snidey comment. You know, I just want to watch the football. I don't want to have to defend City's attendances. And no one should do anyway. But because he's made these comments, he's allowed these so- social media outlets, proper media outlets, to run with these stories on him because he's made one little snidey comment. 
Um, I'd love someone to ask him about it later. As, like, as we speak, he's got a press conference a bit later on. I'd love someone to ask him about it because sometimes he does say stuff that he doesn't mean and he clarifies his comments um, pretty well. Uh, and we all love Pep, but sometimes, honestly, it, it annoys me and he, and he brings it on himself. Yeah. Do you, do you think it, it kind of surprised me as regards to it being Pep? Because, you know, his comments after the ahead of a Cheltenham game, for example, when he was talking about we've all started out in football, we've all been in kind of, you know, yes. tiny rooms and all the rest of it. You know, this is football. You always get the impression with Pep that he understands what football is and that can ex- extend to the fans. Mm. In this case, I mean, he's been tone deaf, hasn't he, Ali? He has. Tone deaf is a good way to put it. It's been at, at best, it is uh, crass and thoughtless mm. and uh, a bit hurtful. Um, at worst, it's really downright offensive and he should know better. Um, I've, I've calmed down a little bit over the last 24 hours. I've been <laughs> furious this time yesterday. Um, I think that the most important thing to say first is uh, post-match interviews are absolute uh, uh, fertile ground for people saying stupid things. Um, Pep still had a head full of, of yes. um, you know, four-dimensional chess around defensive transitions and, and all the rest of it. And, and you know, he, you know, in his head, he was still yelling at Mares for like, <laughs> tracking back at, on the wrong angle and all of that. And he opened his mouth and some stuff came out that I'm sure if he'd thought about for a moment, he wouldn't have said. Um, I, I strongly suspect that what he was actually having a grumble about was the um, the atmosphere uh, rather than the actual numbers. And um, what he really wanted to say was that he wants more support for the team from the stands. Mm. Um, and we can come on and talk about that in a minute. Uh, but but we have to acknowledge that that's not what he said. Um, he talked about people coming to the game and the way every City fan took that was it was an attack on City fans for not buying enough tickets. Um, that's not only how City fans ourselves heard it, and, you know, certainly how I heard it, um, it's also very obviously how the Wallies and Top Sport and of course the tens of thousands of like idiots around the world who've never been within a million miles of a Premier League stadium <laughs> took it as, a, as an excuse to attack uh, City mm. fans. Now, we... It feels like, you know, so much water has gone under the bridge here since yesterday because so much has been written and said. And apologies to all the people out there who might be listening to this podcast, but who are not on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and whatever and, and you know, haven't already seen like 27 articles about this stuff. Um, but, you know, the, the cost for City fans of, of going to games, as Harry just said, has, has been well spelled out. Um, there's also the issue of, of, uh, actually getting hold of tickets for a lot of City fans over the last few weeks. Um, when they're the the club's own ticketing system and and uh, call centres and all the rest of it went into meltdown, and we know for a fact lots of city fans just gave up trying to get tickets mm-hmm. um, for for this week. So of all the weeks to to have a go at people, you know, he really could not pick the worst one. Um, but uh, I think it it really needs to be said that. A good personal uh, circumstances. I was at the game on Wednesday night. Um, I'd been away with my family on holiday at the end of August, so uh, my first opportunity to go to a city game after uh, a home city game, at least uh, after the whole pandemic, the last eighteen months, uh, was I had a choice of of going to the Leipzig game on Wednesday or the Southampton game on Saturday. Yeah. Because let's be honest, I'm I'm 
uh, I've got a few years in the clock and uh, I'm very, very fortunate that uh, our household has got a reasonably comfortable joint income. Um, I've, <laughs> I've said before that, um, you know, between my wife and I, we, we earn a, a decent salary. You know, in much the same way as between Phil Foden and I, we've won three Premier League winners. <laughs> yeah, but... The, the point remains, you know, I'm okay, we, we can put food on the table and pay the bills and I don't have to worry. But there was absolutely no way that I could go to uh, Leipzig on the Wednesday and then to Southampton on the Saturday. I can't mm. afford to do you know, mm. 40 quid a ticket or whatever, you know, plus the uh, beer money and all the rest of it. And, and also the time away from other commitments and all the rest of it. So I, I made a choice and I chose to go to the game on Wednesday. Um, and I really took quite a lot of umbrage at the... Uh, suggestion that um, I was somehow letting the club down if I was only going to go to one of these games. Um, and heaven knows how many thousands, tens of thousands of uh, Mancunian people, you know, people in, in the live close to the stadium who will be losing £20 a month in, uh, a week in Universal yeah, Credit for yeah. the next month. Um, mm. We have got the uh, food, the supporters' food bank campaign outside the stadium before every you know, weekend match, um, because we all know just how many people in this community are in absolutely desperate straits, um, and we know there will have been thousands of city fans who were sitting at home watching that game and listening to uh, Pep's comments after, who would have absolutely loved to have got to the game, but they couldn't because they couldn't afford it. That is the reality for life, for you know, for everyone across you know the. Britain and probably the modern world, but particularly at the moment after what we've been through in the last you know, 18 months. And for a multi-millionaire, I mean, I'd hate to bring it back to you know, football as privilege and all the rest of it, but there, there's no escaping the fact that you know, Pep Guardiola and all his players are ludicrously wealthy men. They have, they have been for a long, long time and they cannot begin to appreciate what it is like for City fans to, to have to be making these decisions on a, a regular basis. Mm. Um, so, you know, I took offence about it and I was a bit hurt by it and I cannot even begin to imagine how the people who hadn't been to the match uh, felt about it because you know I, I might you know it's technically at least my conscience should have been clear because I, I was one of the ones that mm. had, uh, had gone along and, and you know forked out my money to, to, to go and then be dug out by our manager um, but I think the, the one final thing I'll say at this point um, is Pep probably does not even begin to consider what the uh, what the arguments in social media are about, and um, if he knows that the uh, the most common jibe thrown at City fans is the one about empty hat, empty hat, and, and you know, plastic fans, and no t- you know, no one buying their own tickets, and and people were circulating photos on Wednesday night from the ground that had been taken. 45 minutes before. Yeah, we do. That was it. And yeah. the Leipzig end. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the Leipzig yeah. end of, yeah, empty, empty terraces. Um, and, you know, and, and then they were being sent all around the world with people laughing at, at City, saying, oh, look what a joke club. Um, when actually, I mean, yeah, I was there. There was a few empty seats around me and I was in the more expensive bits. But actually, all the more affordable sections were com- City fans were completely sold out. And mm. I've been to an awful lot of City f- games that were not less a lot less empty than that. And we've got a bloody huge stadium. Um, one thing that really sticks in my craw when people are talking about how many uh, City fans turn up. Um, apparently the official attendance was just below 40,000 um, and that was without any uh, 
Leipzig fans really well. There's about 20 Leipzig fans down by the uh, down in the corner who presumably all lived in Manchester, and because COVID restrictions meant fans couldn't travel from Germany. Um, so you know, if you add another five thousand whatever away fans, uh, you get to a total of about forty three thousand that would have been at the game. Um, if we were talking about Chelsea here, uh, you're talking about a, a, a capacity you know, three thousand over capacity. The Stamford Bridge's capacity mm. is only forty thousand. Um, whoever complains about the lack of Chelsea fans, um, whoever says that, mm. that Chelsea aren't a proper club because you know because they've only got forty thousand. But, you know, Chelsea's in the heart of London, one of the, the wealthiest parts of the country, um, and you know they're not held to the same standards. The fact that Man City moved from you know a, a little old barn in Moss Side that that had a you know, seating capacity of what thirty thousand or something, if, if that um, old seater, uh, and then we moved to a, a fifty-five capacity stadium and one of the reasons that the whole city project was able to happen was because the the new owners coming in looked for a club that had potential and capacity for growth one of the reasons mm. in which we manchester city had a lot of capacity for growth um is that it was basically a thirty thousand seater club in a fifty-seven thousand capacity stadium and yeah. um, and we are now uh, we, we sell forty thousand season tickets yeah if I want to get a, I don't have a season ticket to City. If I want to get one, which I occasionally considered, um, I'll have to join a, a waiting list because there aren't any. If you go to the website now, you cannot buy a season ticket for City, and we have forty thousand of them sold. Um, the people who have bought those forty thousand uh, season tickets are then expected to pay again for the Champions League games and the mm-hmm. cup games and, and all the rest of it, which a lot of clubs don't do, or, or they've they've at least got much better deals and uh, Champions League group games. Um, so all of these things were coming together, and I cannot believe that having um, you know, been to one of the most fun football matches I've been to for ages, yeah, yeah, all yeah. these amazing <clears throat> things happened, wonderful goals, talking points, incidents, bits of daft like, uh, incompetence at the back, you name it, it was all there, and the thing we're talking about is 10 seconds of mumbled, thoughtless, crass insensitivity mm. from our own manager. Um, and I, I really hope somebody does ask him about it today, but I also, I, I very much hope that someone from the, uh, the higher echelons of the club's PR and marketing department are taking Pep to one side and saying, look, you have really fucked up here, mate, and you can't keep doing this mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're alienating your, your own fans. Um, I, I, I felt less inclined to, to, Buy another ticket for Southampton, or for that matter, for Wickham. Mm. Um, after after pet remarks that I had done before, yeah. uh, and that is just counterproductive. Yeah, I, I I think that's probably the most disappointing thing on my end. Pep knows what he's talking about. There's been countless, you know, I've I've covered Pep for a long time in in the media, pretty much since he's since he's since he's arrived at City. There's been countless times where he's made little jibes that have been little funny jibes, like uh, the when he was like, "Oh, we're gonna don't worry, we'll spend hundred billion pound on players in the transfer market." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's mentioned the fact that he's uh, when he don't win, he's called fraudiola and stuff like that, and and he's mentioned even recently he mentioned about the the interview that he gave to to Brazilian TV where he was talking about you know possibly leaving and he's saying that his words were twisted. So he knows what's going on in the media, which is probably makes it all the more disappointing. I mean, look last season. I can't remember the exact figures, but it was something like City had played. Uh, there's potential that can City can play 60 games in a season, and they played 58 of them because they missed out on the on, on the FA Cup final. Um, and there's people who follow City home and away and, and go to these games 
you know, the home and away and the travel to get to away games and even the travel to get to home games. And I think that's probably what makes it the most disappointing for me because there is fans who are committed enough to 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 do these games home and away and it just kind of feels like a massive slap in the face to them. It's like, well, we turn up every week and, you know, yeah. the, the people like Ali who were there the other night and, and fought out hard-earned cash to go there and support the team and they've just been slapped in the face by the manager and like he just said perfectly you know we've we've, we've been treated to a fantastic game and all I can think about is, is him saying that yeah, yeah. Well, I mean I'm not suggesting that he has a point but again being devil's advocate does he have a point Ali is there, is there a problem with you know, if not the attendance, the atmosphere at the ground. What was what was the atmosphere like, for example, um, on Wednesday? I think this is a much more interesting question, to be honest. I think the, the stuff about ticket sales is actually a, a load of nonsense. Agreed, um, yeah, I think yeah. as, as a city community, I think the question about atmosphere at the ground is a much better one, and, and it's one I'm actually much more interested in talking to. And I'd like to, yeah. Uh, I, I would also even like Pep Guardiola's involvement in this because let me talk you through how I uh, experienced a football match. Um, I'm lucky enough that I, uh, I live close enough that I can walk to the Etihad. Um, and uh, I, I start out about you know, a mile and a half away. Uh, and I'm the only character with a blue scarf or, or whatever around my neck. Um, and as I get closer, it's a bit like the... Um, uh, what's that Peter K uh, Amarillo video you know like oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at my shoulder and it goes from being me just me to being half a dozen of us to being 20 of us to being 50 of us to being thousands of us um, <laughs> and and the closer you get to the stadium you feel the atmosphere building up and the tension and the, the fun and, and then you get to the Etihad and you know if you've got time to hang around outside um Anyone out there who, who's never been to a match day at the Etihad, uh, you should appreciate it's not like Old Trafford or Anfield or a lot of the old grounds where you kind of co- uh, come out of the stadium turnstiles and walk straight onto the main road. Um, the Etihad is surrounded by something, it, it's, it's, it's somewhere between a, a kind of continental market and a, a rock festival. You know, there's, there's all these stalls and bars and hot dog outlets mm. and merchandise shops and, uh, and there's bands playing and there's buskers. Um, and all of that stuff, City does really well. Um, I, 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 maybe there are clubs that do it better, but I've, I've certainly never encountered it. Um, the atmosphere outside the ground an hour before the kickoff um, is absolutely buzzing and I love it. And then you go, uh, you know, through, you queue up and you go through the turnstiles and if you're me, you squeeze in one more pint just before you go and take your seat. And then you get in. And if you're more than 10 minutes before, it's a bit boring. Mm. You know, the, the, everything when you go and take your seat just comes down a level. And the club, I was thinking about this a lot yesterday, why it happens. And um, the club does not put much effort into energizing supporters in the stands immediately before the game. Um, the, the guys who do the voiceover announcements over the PA are perfectly competent and they've got nice voiceover voices and, 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 uh, they do their job perfectly well. But there's no, <laughs> the kind of Delia Smith, let's be having you kind of like yeah. rabble rousing going on at City. You don't get that. Um, a, a really kind of poignant example of, of where City get this wrong, I think. Um, okay, how can I put this so that if, um, apart from anything else, if Asan is listening, he doesn't explode? Uh, <laughs> there are other clubs. Uh, okay, yeah, got it. Um, if you go to Celtic Park, before kickoff, they sing a rousing rendition 
of You'll Never Walk Alone. Yeah. And there are one or two other football clubs around the world that, that sing the same song. And when that happens, um, particularly on a big match night, it's absolutely spine-tingling. Um, everybody's singing along, um, and it really serves to create an atmosphere. Whether you're a home fan or an away fan, it's undeniably spine-tingling. Um, at City, the PA plays a version of Blue Moon, which is one of the great football anthems. It's a fantastic song to sing when you're in the terraces. The version they play is that kind of indie punk rock version that they've been playing forever Mm. now. I can't remember ever giving a different version, which does one verse and then kind of goes into this like punk rock thing that no one can sing along to. Um, As an incredibly simple thing, if they were to do like a a big slow orchestral, (laughs) uh, sing along version of that song, and what happens? You can actually hear. I I heard it the other night. Um, All the the kids down behind the goal, um, section one one eight or whatever it is, you know, the 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 eighteen ninety four group and the Mm -hmm. the sections next to the away fans are fantastic, and we always have to. We should never forget to praise those people because. The atmosphere, the work that they put in, the heavy lifting that they do for the Etihad crowd is amazing. Never stop singing. And they'll, um, when that song comes on, they will start singing and you will hear a kind of ripple that begins to go around the crowd as people sort of pluck up the, the courage. It's a bit embarrassing. If you're the only yeah. person in, in your section that's singing, yeah. um, it's awkward. You kind of, you need everyone else to join in and it takes a couple of verses to get going. Um, and what happens every time you go to the Etihad is that people sing one verse of Blue Moon and just as it's get going, it stops. Mm. And just little details like that um, don't help to build an atmosphere before a game. Um, and I was thinking, I, I might be overly cynical here, um, but I was wondering why all of this is going on. And it occurred to me, when we are out in City Square, outside the ground, going to the merchandise stalls and the bars and the hot dog outlets and all the rest of it, we are spending money. Oh, absolutely. The second we go in and sit down, yeah. we're not spending money. We've stopped yeah. spending money. And I have no doubt that someone has made a calculation that the more fun it is inside the stadium, the less money they're getting outside yeah, the yeah. stadium. Um, so I think they're they're... They've got actual disincentives at Man City to get a, a really good atmosphere going 15 minutes, half an hour before, before kickoff so that when the game actually starts, everybody's into the swing of it. Um, that's on the club side. There is also a thing. I mean, uh, Stephen McInerney, who's one of the best commentators on, on City, uh, fan culture anywhere, his YouTube channel, he did a little video yesterday where he was, um, basically saying, you know, we should, uh, not rise to this and let's just forget about it and move on and, and I'm fed up of it and I don't want to hear any more about it. And I totally sympathise with him. Um, but he did also say that, you know, well, City fans were a bit grumpy. Um, we're not the most vocal. We don't always sing the most and, you know, and that's fine. And I'm not sure it is fine. Um, I think we, we need to have a word with ourselves a bit. I, I, I have been, <laughs> this is no word of a lie. Uh, there was an occasion uh, a couple of years back. I was in one of the, uh, one of the more pricey seats in the Colin Bell stand, I think. Uh, and it was a bit of a quiet section. And at one point in the game, I kind of pointed <laughs> and yeah, and, and I let out a, a hearty, come on city, let's be having you kind of, <laughs> kind of shout. And a couple of people rose in front of me, turned round and tutted me. I, I've had so yeah. They've had, yeah. They, Every they game. Rolled, 
they rolled their eyes at me and rolled their eyes at each other. And you could see them thinking, oh, God, I hope he's not going to be doing that for the whole game. And God forbid um, that you swear when you do I so. know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and there, there is some of that. And, and uh, even on Wednesday night, um, yeah, around me, there was a, a, a family, or a, I think one put upon dad with a load of kids behind me, uh, who were great. Um, and there was a the few obligatory uh, foreign students or, or overseas visitors that you always see in their brand spanking new Grealish uh, yeah. uh, strips straight out of the shop, labels still attached. Um, and then, uh, you know, immediately next to me and around me, there was a whole load of blokes who, to be blunt, were older and grumpier than I am. And I am very old and very grumpy. Um, and <laughs> one of them in particular, I noticed he barely got, he barely stopped sitting in his hands when uh, Grealish scored his wonder goal or, or, uh, uh, Jean Cancelo scored his thunder bastard. He kind of muttered a, a polite applause. But any time anyone cocked up at the back, he was up on his feet. Yeah, going, yeah. What the fuck are you doing, sir? Um, and that was his way of engaging with the game. And I just thought, oh, for God's sake, mate, can you not do a bit better? <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot of that at City. And I think some of it, we have to look at ourselves and, and actually... Yeah, I, I don't know how we encourage each other on it. It would be fantastic if the club would just put like one person with a loud, you know, a loud voice, give them a free ticket in every single section. There's, there's what, 500 of those numbered sections or something around the ground? Like, give, yeah. give away 500 free tickets on condition that whoever's there has to sing and, and shout as loudly as they possibly can to get everyone else going. You know, I'm, I'm being slightly facetious, but kind of a bit of that probably wouldn't go amiss. But um, Ali, 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 would you would you do that job? Because I completely agree with you. Where I sit, and I know my granddad will be listening, so don't worry. I do love where we sit. It's a nice view of the pitch. Um, you know, when you try and sort of create some atmosphere around there, people look at you like you're an alien. It's, yeah, it's horrible. So would you would you be able to get 500 people to to sit in these different separate sections and do this job? Because I know how it feels when you're trying to encourage the team and everyone kind of looks around at you like, what are you doing, you know? And it's, 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 it's frustrating sometimes. It makes me kind of want to stand up and turn around and be like, come on, get behind them. They're playing good yeah. stuff. Or even when they're not playing good stuff, get behind them. You know, they're quick to moan. And it's a lot of different factors. I mean, the one that annoys me the most is, is the leaving at the end, you know, close to the end. It, yeah. it annoys me because, you know, even if, City are 6-0 up, you know, they've treated us to a fantastic game. You know, give them a bit of credit. Uh, but the, yeah, the, the atmosphere for me is 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 a slight it's a slight issue. But I think like like Ali said, the the fans in 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 the lower south and next to the the away end in particular are fantastic and they do a fantastic job. But when it sort of ripples to around the the to the, the east and the Colin Bell, it just sort of drowns out. And sometimes because I sit like perfectly sort of in the middle of the east. The, the family stand are singing one thing and the South stand are singing the other well, or they're yes. both completely out of tune that, you know they're, 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 that, that it's impossible to generate an, an atmosphere because they're, they're singing two separate things because they're completely out of tune or they're, or they're singing two different different chants yeah. so even little subtle differences that the club can make like the blue moon thing that annoys me the most some of the best atmospheres I've seen at Sitter is when when the players are out they play Hey Jude and yeah. it's a simple chant that everyone knows and everyone gets into it. It's not hard to stay in tune, otherwise, although we give it a good go to stay out of tune. Uh, it's just little differences like that. And like you say, if people aren't in your seats, you know, people aren't bothered about getting into the seats on time. You know, they kind of ripple in at 10 minutes before uh, after kickoff just because of the stuff that's going on outside. Little stuff like that. And the City Square, I, I don't know if it was different the other night, Ali, but 
I, they just stop showing what they're doing in City Square inside the stadium, aren't they? Like on the on the screens. <laughs> yeah. So like, the why like show the entertainment inside? Yeah. It's just uh, it is some some of the decisions I think that the club make they bring it on themselves. It is baffling. Well, on, on that note, I think one of the worst decisions the club ever made was to say, okay, we'll have a section of kind of noisy fans here, then we'll have the away fans, and then the other yes. side of the away fans will have another section of noisy fans. They need to be combined. For it It clearly does not work. I can see what they were going for. It just doesn't work. Now, you look at Palace, for example, and, and you know, they've got an atmosphere which prays to the rafters. It's only one area. It's just that mm. area behind their goal. But they've got it in significant numbers of noisy supporters where it basically creates an atmosphere what the whole rest of the ground feeds off. That doesn't happen at City because mm. two, we have two pockets of noisy supporters separated, basically. So yeah. they've got to be brought together. I've been saying this for so long now, and it's it, it's not a cure-all, but it really would help, I believe, to have a larger mm. section of noisy support, and that will ripple through the ground, and it will create yeah. noise. And so yeah. yeah, like you said, it's all the be- all the best ends in in Europe have have one end, you know, one Dortmund, end, exactly. Yellow Wall, yeah. Anfield, the yeah. top. Even, you know, you don't like to admit it, but Old Trafford, they have the Stratford end. It is known as the noisy end of Old Trafford. Yeah. City, when you ask any City fan that's not a regular match goer, what is the sort of noisy side of the stadium? You couldn't tell them because you can't tell on TV, but when you know at the game, you know it's the South Stand, but because it's so split, it's impossible to generate any sort of atmosphere. Yeah, when you're in the South Stand and you're thinking, oh, dig. God, this atmosphere is incredible. Oh, this yeah. is amazing. And then you go home and you watch a highlight on telly and you can barely hear it. You imagine that being in that cell stand, but times by four, which would, you mm. know, if you combine those two areas, that's what you'd, you'd have. Then, though, you'd hear that on the telly, all right. And that would be amazing. Yeah. Case in point was last night. I mean, even me, I turned to my mum a few times and just gone, a bit quiet in there tonight, isn't it? But, I had a friend who was in the South Stand. They were like, oh my God, the atmosphere was incredible yeah, last night. So he's just chalk and cheese. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, I think there, there is another factor as well that we should probably acknowledge is that particularly over the last two or three years, uh, City fans, we, we've really got quite complacent. Um, we I, The atmosphere I felt going into the ground uh, on Wednesday night was what I call pipe and slippers. Yeah, everybody was there yeah, ready yeah. for a, a five nil win. I mean, I, I, mm. you know, people around me were discussing what bets they'd put in the game beforehand, <laughs> or or what they're going to say. You know, everyone was going four or five six nil. That you know, everyone assumed that was what was going to happen. Um, we arrived, we uh, sat down, took off our bobble hats, put on our pipe and uh, put on our slippers, and got out the bike, and were ready to to watch a, another team being blown away by City. And there's not really a lot of jeopardy or peril involved. And even and people people were looking at who didn't really follow the game closely would have looked at the scoreline six three wow that must have been mayhem and actually the way the game panned out we went two 0 up fairly quickly um, they got one goal back we immediately scored they got another goal back we immediately scored they got another goal back we immediately scored so you know it was never mm. even only one goal in it for more than five minutes at any point in the game um, and we all knew we were going to win and we all knew we were going to win comfortably um, and that was kind of the vibe from the start when you go into a game against uh, you know Liverpool, Chelsea, United, or whatever, a Premier League game, or, or I'm sure it will be entirely different against PSG at the end of November, uh, where we go in and we're nervous because we don't know if we're going to win or not. 
and then suddenly everybody's much more invested in cheering and the cheering on the team and there's a, a, a much bigger buzz around the stadium um, and that you know in, in that sense I think we're just victims of our own success Absolutely. and, and mm. of our own quality um, because there, there's no getting away from it we are we are absolutely rock solid nailed on favorite for most of mm. these games that we play um, and you know the fact that we actually conceded a, a few goals on Wednesday night was quite a novelty because it's a long time since we've done that in the Champions League well, yeah, and it's, it's can I just say so finally, it's different. It's the same in other stadiums. Like Liverpool isn't always like it, oh, is absolutely. Chelsea, yeah, yeah. but yeah. that is why kind of probably tied it up. It doesn't help when your manager's pointing it out on live TV. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let's hope the atmosphere is kind of um, decent on Saturday. It's going to be an odd atmosphere given Pep's comments, and and uh, I believe it was you, Harry. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sorry, you said that. Uh, it might be new, Alex, sorry, who said that it's kind of counterproductive what he said, really, because it's not going to lead to a better atmosphere now. It, it, it's just led, led to discontent. Nope. Um, well, we'll see. And, of course, that's against Southampton on Saturday. Um, a game that I feel we're going to win, considering you know, we've scored 16 goals in three matches at home, plus a well-earned win at Leicester in between all those I mean, since the Tottenham game, we have just looked phenomenal. Uh, we're sharing the goals around again. Um, Harry, is that key to City success, really, this season, given our lack of a striker that we, we share these goals around? Yeah, yeah, I think you spot on. Um, Pep said after the Leipzig game that we don't have a player that can score 20 or 25 goals. I sort of slightly disagree. I think if you give him a run of games, I think Raz is just as capable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but on that premise, I think Ake and Cancelo's goals against Leipzig made it 11 different scorers in five games. Uh, I might be wrong there. But so, yeah, so sharing it about is, is important, particularly in, in big games. I mean, take last season, for example, of course, uh, Ilkay Gundogan was was massive for us in like games against like Liverpool and Tottenham, sort of in that twenty one game run. But if you kind of go through the list of games that you would kind of define as, you know, we see after the game that was a performance of champions, sort of thing. When we've been struggling, but we've kind of got it over the line. I think that's a stone scoring a winner against West Ham. Uh, Bernardo against Villa, uh, the Etihad. Even going earlier in the season, Car Walker against Sheffield United. We couldn't break them down away, and and Car Walker just pops out of nowhere and scores a goal from about forty yards. So I think it's important that these players contribute not just in these games where we're um, battering teams six three or, or five nil or whatever. They're popping up in big moments like they were last season. If we want to go on and and challenge for the major honours, yeah. Um, Ali, who's been the, the standout performance for you in kind of recent weeks? Uh, that's a really hard question to answer because so many um, of our players have done really, really well. Yeah. Bernardo, uh, Bernardo's been absolutely on fire in the last few games. Um, maybe didn't quite sparkle as much on Wednesday night as he had in the games before, and I suspect that's a bit more about Kevin being back in the team, um, doing more of the uh, the legwork. Uh, but right across the right across the side um there's been outstanding performances um Ferran Torres has absolutely stepped up to the mark as i always thought he would um Jack Grealish has been better than we could have possibly dreamed of i think not not just in terms of like moments of of brilliance and genius and spectacular but just doing a job for city that looks exactly like a man city player like he's had the year or two that most players need in order to settle into the job he's just 
stepped in like he's been doing it all his life and it's been a joy to see uh, so we're, we're in a really good place I think at the moment and as it should be said as well that um, Kevin came back on Wednesday night um, and was you know, absolutely very very close to his best which doesn't always happen when he comes back after an injury sometimes it's a game or two, a game or two to get going um, but no I'm, I'm uh, really really happy with where the club is and where the, where the team is in terms of their form and performances at the moment well, with Phil Foden, Ferner, Stones, Laporte, I mean, they're all not kind of fully fatal, you know, we're at different levels, mm. of course. Um, and then given the fact that we've got Chelsea, PSG, Liverpool all coming up in the next couple of weeks, oh dear God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Harry, will that be kind of play a part in perhaps line up this Saturday? I mean, I'm not for one second suggesting that it's going to be um, routine or straightforward in Southampton, but certainly in comparison to the fixtures that he has coming up, this is the easiest of them. Do you yeah. think play, certain players might be rested? Is this is so after Southampton we've got Wickham midweek in it, and then yeah. it's Chelsea, Paris, Liverpool, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, I think he goes relatively strong this weekend, just because we've not got Champions League in midweek, and it's no disrespect Wickham in the Carabao Cup. Yeah. I think you, you'll see your youngsters in that one, and you, your players rested. Uh, in terms of team from kind of last night into the weekend, I think it was nice to give Kyle Walker a nice little rest. He played, I'm pretty sure, two out of three games for England as well as mm. every single game since, since returning with City. So probably important to give him a rest, but I'd imagine him coming back in. Um, I think Laporte and Stones are going to be very important in that sort of trio of games that you just mentioned. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing Ake again next to Diaz. Um, and then... Obviously, the rest kind of depends on fitness. I'm not sure on Rodri what his situation is with him coming off at the weekend. Was that just a precaution, or uh, even so, you know, the captain can 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 slip in quite easily. Yeah. Uh, and then and then of course you've got that horrible question that I've been asking everyone for the past couple of weeks with the that you know he, he started the same team three weeks in a row. You know, I think Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden are City's best players. Who do they come in for with all the fantastic performers? You know, <laughs> Grealish, Jesus, and um, Torres have been playing really well. It, it's hard to drop them, but you've kind of got to try and fit Kevin De Bruyne, especially, and Phil Foden into your team. Uh, I think KD, KDB probably comes back in for this one, and I'm going to suggest Torres has a nice little rest and then goes again against against Wickham. Um, but it's it's anyone's guess in that forward line because probably luckily for us they're all informed but with Wickham in midweek I think it's a nice little fixture for us to to play a stronger team in this game get a guaranteed three points which I think we, we definitely do need uh, and then rest against Wickham for that mental running uh, in the next week well on that note um, you said there it's three points we do need um, Southampton are draw specialists right now they've drawn three and four um, which suggests they're missing things up front but they certainly have some kind of resolve and backbone to get these draws they might possibly get something from this. And, and if they do, Ali, um, drop points would mean we go four or five points behind one or two others. Does that matter at this juncture of the season? You know, it shouldn't, but it feels like it does. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I, I, it, yeah. There, there's something about this season. I mean, just like the, the strength of uh, Chelsea and to a certain extent maybe United, although that's... Uh, I'm, I'm more sceptical of whether they'll maintain that for the season. Um, but there's kind of... the at the moment, it looks like there could be four teams that are heading for 90, 95 points. Uh, and if that, uh, anything like that does actually transpire, then we can't afford to be dropping points really at any stage. We, you know, like the, the only points we can afford to drop are the occasional away game at Anfield or, or Stamford Bridge or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so all of these games, a home game at Southampton, um, 
it kind of feels like we need three points from all of those games. Um, you know, if we end up winning the title by uh, you know twenty five points in in March, uh, then I'll I'll look an idiot on on saying that. But I really don't think we will. Um, I think every three points are are going to be priceless come the end of the season. Um, and you know, three points now are worth just as much as three points in May. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, mm. so yeah, it really does feel like every game is a must win and particularly the, um, the home games against, you know, mid table or, or below sides. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do accept while I'm saying that, that that doesn't really make much sense because there's so, so many twists and turns to come in this season that, you know, everything could and, and probably will change. Uh, I, I, I really don't want us to be. Losing though, and I don't think there's any excuse for us. We we should be beating this Southampton team, um, even though you know respect to them, they're they're pretty solid and, and know what they're doing. Well, I, I mean, sorry, go on, how are you? No, I'm just going to say, I, th- I think you're right because you know with the, the run we've got coming up, you don't want to be going into them games already five points behind because yeah. it kind of gives you a bit of a jeopardy, doesn't it? You know, if we if we draw at Anfield or you know we lose one of the games, at least we're start start still in touching distance you know all of a sudden if you lose that and then you lose to Chelsea and Liverpool you suddenly eight points 12 points behind the leaders it's pretty hard with the the rate that Chelsea and as Chelsea and Liverpool especially are going at the moment so I just think that these sort of games you've got to be winning to give you some sort of some sort of I don't know don't know the word some sort of leeway in these these bigger games to, to 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 be able to drop points and it not be catastrophic on the season I would say no thank god well I personally think we're gonna we're trying for here um I just think it's going to be a lot tougher than some of the other games in recent times. I'm personally going 2 0. Um, Harry, score prediction? Uh, I'm a bit more positive. I'm going 4 0. <laughs> right, okay. I'm sure we just, yes. Uh, Ali, what about yourself? Uh, on the basis that uh, we might still be not with our first choice uh, centre backs, mm-hmm. um, I think I'll give them a goal and say we'll do them 4 1. Right. No disrespect to Southampton. I just think that they've had the, the worst transfer window in the Premier League. They have. I just think they've lost their two best players and not replaced them properly with, with Ings and Vestergaard. Uh, uh, the, the, my only slight uh, raised eyebrow on that is, I don't know if either of you saw any of the game they played with West Ham that finished 0-0. Um, they're, they're Albanian beast that they brought on for the last 15 minutes who very nearly won it for them uh, Broja I think his name is um, looks a, a proper threat um, I, I know they, they've lost things um, I'll put in a word for Shea Adams who I think is a really good creator yeah, yeah. 10 um, he's not a natural finisher and he, you know, he doesn't carry that much goal threat himself but he, he does cause problems to, to even very good defenders um, and uh, whether they've got uh, the the um, Roger, I think his name is, or um, Adam Armstrong is the other forward that mm. they, they did bring in from Blackburn. Uh, he, he looks pretty handy as well. Um, I think they will. There's absolutely no way they are keeping us out. I think their their uh, defensive shape and, and their midfield uh, will be overrun by by City. Um, that's why I'm fairly confident we'll we'll get a good few goals. But I I don't think their problems really are are going forward anymore. Um, I, I think it's it's more they're they're towards the back of their midfield that I think their weaknesses. But well, we'll if, if that is where their weakness is, then we've certainly got the players to capitalise, yeah. and that's yeah. some understatement. Um, right, guys, that's a good place to, to wrap things up. Thank you very much, Harry. Yeah, perfect, mate. Nice one. Thanks, Ali. Absolute pleasure.
That's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to loudly and proudly share some love around because there is fucking loads of it in this life. And too often it's drowned out by hate. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, be well, and forever up the prolific and entertaining blues.